Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Last week we began the uh, journey of looking at preparing the way, this idea of uh, the allowing God to entrench our hearts in every shape and form, that we would, we would allow him um, into our lives in a new way. And um, we explained that um, late, about late November, beginning of December, we had sensed um, God really speak to us about vision, about not running into vision um, early in the new year, but while we would usually do that in the first week in January, we decided to hold that to February and, um, and, and try in some shape or form unpack what God has been trying to teach us in the previous nine months um, of lockdown and all of, all of the things that happened in around that. And last week, I pulled some items from my case. Um, we're going to take another look at this. Um, if you didn't pick this up last week, we talked a little bit. These cases are all, um, we're not really going anywhere at the moment, sure we're not, but um, there's something about packing and unpacking. There's something about, and, and this week, what we want to do is we want to start and uh, try and challenge you about some of the things that we need to have packed into our lives, packed into our case, as it were, for um, 2021. Last week, we looked at some of these things. We looked at the receipts last week. We looked at some of the receipts out of God's Word that remind us um, of what we purchased, remember, remembering that we, what we own, who we are in Christ, really important that we repack some of those um, receipts, um, some of those verses, some of those things that we need to put into the well. And then last week as well, we looked at the, the calendar and the clock. We looked at how um, in, in our lives, we need not to be controlled by these things. There were tools that were given us that we would control them, not that they would control us. And we hated to admit the fact, and I know I hated to admit the fact that before lockdown, I began to realize that I had become very much um, controlled by these two things, by my calendar and by my clock. Someone rejigged Psalm 23 for the busyness of society and um, related it in this way. The clock is my dictator, I shall not rest. It makes me lie down only when exhausted. It leads me into deep depression. It hounds my soul. It leads me in circles of frenzy for activity's sake. Even though I run frantically from task to task, I will never get it all done, for my ideal is with me. Deadlines and my need for approval, they drive me. They demand performance from me beyond the limits of my schedule. They anoint my head with migraines. My in-basket overflows. Surely fatigue and time pressure shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the bonds of frustration forever. That's society's view of Psalm 23. They're supposed to be tools for us, tools that we actually allow 
um, that we control, not that they control us. And of course, last week I looked at this beautiful verse, which is very precious to me in Psalm 31, 13, where um, the psalmist could say he could hear the whispering, the terror um, on every side. But he said, I trust in you, Lord, and I say, my time's are in your hands. I love that. My times are in your hands. And we talked about this last week about how in 2021, it's really important that we surrender our time into his hands, our good times, our bad times, our happy times, our sad times, all into his hands. And last week, we finished with three questions out of this um, incredible verse in Hosea 10, 12, that talks about breaking up the plowed ground or pick breaking up the fallow ground, some of your versions will say. And we ask three questions out of that. How do we plant good seeds of righteousness that will harvest a crop of love? How do we do that in 2021? And the second question was, how can we plow up the hard ground of our hearts if it's become hard again? How do we plow that up? And then the third question was, how do we seek the Lord that he may come and shower and righteousness upon us. So as we step into 2021, we want to take some time to remind you the importance of spiritual rhythms. They're really important. And as a church, we um, define the discipleship as following Jesus in all of life. And we define this around six practices. If you've been coming to Emmanuel for any length of time, you know that last year we preached um, quite a considerable time on these prayer and worship, creativity, hospitality and generosity, compassion and justice, mission and discipleship. And those practices, we, we found that those were the things that ordered the life of Jesus. We found that those were the things, when we go into the New Testament, actually started to reorder and order the life of Jesus. And in order to grow deeper in this Jesus way together in 2021, we are suggesting a set of community rhythms. And these rhythms come from a, a tradition throughout church history called the rule of life which is simply an intentional plan. And that word intentional is really important, as we'll see this morning, and a set of practices that help, uh, will, will help us to abide in Jesus. And these shared practices, as Dave said earlier on, are built over these three areas, sort of personal devotion, which I'm going to look at this morning, meaningful relationships, or the primary circle of relationships, and local church and um, all of that is going to lead us up to the 7th of February, where we will have our Covenant Sunday um, to, to realign. We did this last year, and it was really, really exciting just to covenant ourselves to, to the love of God and to serve Him um, in this year, 2021. So today, I'm going to look at personal devotion. Um, now, you'll see in the slide that um, the aim of this is to have a life built and abiding in the presence of Jesus. And I'm going to do that in three ways. You'll see in the bottom line, there are quiet times, uh, a daily commitment, a time alone with God in prayer and reading at least one chapter of the Bible um, daily. And then a Sabbath, which again is an intentional day of pause and rest in each of our lives. And then sharing life and faith, which is a personal commitment to sharing Christ in our words and actions. So, um, it's really important if you're going into that quiet time to have some things that, um, in our case, um, uh, a journal, for instance, is a really important piece of kit. And we can understand that some of these things are, are really important. The Bible, uh, a journal, uh, a pen or a pencil, a cup of coffee, even brought a cup along that would remind us that sometimes it's just good to relax and 
and have a cuppa and spend some time with Jesus. Now, there's a great verse that often challenges me in John's epistle, and it says this, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Now, that's, a, that's an awesome claim. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Hence, we talk about the practices of Jesus' life. So you see in the Gospels, every time I, I, I read the Gospels, I find Jesus spending loads of time alone with the Father. I find Jesus resting with his friends in Bethany, getting time out and making sure he has Sabbath in his life. And I find Jesus oftentimes sitting around a table, sharing his faith and sharing his love, not just in words, but in actions as well. So firstly, praying in the word, there is something in praying and there's something in daily Bible reading that makes us different. You need to know that. It makes you different. The, the, the Bible says, I, I, I probably quote this verse more than most in John 8, 32, and I say sometimes how we misquote it. We say the truth will set you free, and it's not exactly what it says. It says you shall know the truth, and it's your knowledge of the truth that actually sets you free. It's not just the truth. It's just, it is your knowledge of the truth that sets you free, and his word out of your mouth is as powerful as his word out of his mouth. So there's something about the Word of God and knowing it. So very quickly, I'm going to describe some practices to you that I think could help. We used this many, many years ago in the manual. I have used it for um, most of my life, and I call it just a little sharp method. It's just um, uh, 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 an idea that helps us. So first of all, you need to study the Word to Timothy 2.15. Paul's telling Timothy to study, to show himself approved. And you've got to hear the Word preached. That's why it's lovely that you're tuned in this morning, that you're part of local church. You hear the word preached. How will you hear without a preacher? And how will you go if they're not sent? Um, Romans 10, 17. And then you've got to absorb or memorize, pray the word, learn how to pray the word. I love um, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Psalm 119, and I've told you this many, many times that if you pray that in the first tense, if you put your name and you're into it, um, it's, it's a very, very powerful, and if you have a, a modern Bible, it's in sections, so you don't have to read it all at one go, but it is a powerful um, passage. And so what you need to do is you need to get a list of verses, something like a, a mantra for your life that you know there are verses that you can turn to whenever the chips are down. So you absorb it. And then you read the word. Revelation 1.3 reminds us that blessed is he who hears and who reads the word aloud. I love that verse. There's something very incredible about it. So you need to read it, and then you need to ponder and meditate on it. Blessed is the man who meditates, Psalm 1 tells us, on the law of the Lord day and night. So you need to sharpen your sword. You need to be sharp when it comes to the Word of God. Now, here's just a few little practical hints that maybe might help you in your, in your studies, all right? Um, the first thing I would say to you is buy a Bible that you can understand, all right, a Bible that is in everyday language, everyday English, like the ESV is a great Bible, the NIV, the NLT, um, great Bibles, great Bibles that uh, if you're starting out, and the NLT, NIV especially, are great Bibles, the ESV, maybe a little bit deeper and maybe not as easy to read in public, but definitely a very powerful tool for your personal Bible study. 
And then um, use a concordance. Um, I have this in my case. Um, this is my concordance that I have for over 40 years now. My mum bought me all of these things. Um, when I look in the, uh, she bought me this in um, 1987. So, uh, this is my Strong's Concordance. The beauty of these kind of books now is you, you don't have to fill your bookcase with them. You, you can have them on your phone. And that's the most incredible thing. And so you need to pack that into your case. If not the hardback one, you need to get it online. And there's loads of tools there, BibleStudyTools.com, TheBibleHub.com, TheBlueLetterBible.org are great um, uh, places to study and to look up and see what the Bible really means. Um, eat small portions daily to start with. Don't overfill yourself. Don't think that you'll get holier just if you read 10 chapters a day and it just appeases your conscience. Read the Bible to learn, not to appease your conscience. Read it to learn what God's saying. So what we're saying is, um, in, in this reason, is to be systematic in your reading, following a program. That's why we did the Bible plan for the year, and there's two avenues to that. You can go through the Bible in a year by reading the four chapters, or you can do the one chapter a day. I'm suggesting to you that if you're young in the faith, that you do the one chapter a day, the Lectio um, 365 is a great little app to help you and to guide you. I love it in the mornings. Um, and, then, and then, as I said, learn to journal. A short pencil is easier than a long memory. So learn to journal. Learn to write down what you're hearing. And then probably of all them, the most important is this one. Set aside a quiet place without disruption. We live in a day of disruption. We live in a day when mobile phones buzz and, 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 and vibrate and ring and even you can't even silence the silly things. They still seem to make a noise. And maybe you just need to find a quiet place where you put it in another room and you don't be controlled by it either and you spend time with God. It's a bit like making tea. I love making tea in a pot. All right, I love, I don't, not chuffed on the tea bag and the cup idea because I like strong tea. So I like tea in a pot and I like to leave it sitting for a few minutes and letting it get stronger because the longer the tea bag's in the water and the water infiltrates the tea bag, the stronger it becomes. And it's the same with our immersion in God. The more we, um, we, the more we spend time in his presence, the more we get marinated into who he is, and the more like Christ we become. So these are really, really important things. And we could ask loads of Old Testament saints. We could ask the great apostle Paul. We could ask John the Revelator. We could ask all of these people, is the place of personal devotion important to you? But let's ask Jesus. That's probably the best one to ask. And in Matthew 6, 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, this is what he said, when you pray, when you go into a place of personal devotion, go away by yourself. Do you see that? Go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. I'm sure if there had been more mobile phones at that day, he would have said, leave it in another room. But then your father who sees you will reward you because he sees everything. Now, I've followed this little pattern for years and I've discovered some things that are really important. And one of the things that I've discovered is the place 
the place is more is important for so many reasons. And, and I've said this to you time and time again, you need to find a place, and you need to find a place, you need to anoint it with a little bit of oil, and you just say, God, this is the place. This is the place that I'm going to come to you for answers. This is the place, God, I'm, come, I'm going to come to you when I'm in trouble. God, this is the place that I'm going to come to you whenever things are going really well. God, this is the place that I'm going to come to you when I need instruction for life. God, this is the place that I'm going to come to you when I need to find a spouse. God, this is the place that I'm going to come to when I need to find a job. God, this is the place I'm going to come to when I need healing in my life. God, I'm going to make this a place. And so you could find people like Daniel who in the Old Testament went into his room, opened the windows towards the east three times a day, the Bible tells us. We remember it in the old song we used to sing in Sunday school. Daniel was a man of prayer. Daily he prayed three times. It's quite possible that Daniel tried it one time a day and realized it wasn't enough. Maybe he tried it four times and realized he couldn't sustain that. And, 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 and what he did was eventually he settled on a place, he settled on a posture, and he settled on a rhythm of personal devotion that he could sustain, and he could sustain it every single day. Can I say to you that every person that I've, I've ever met, every person that I've ever known that have done anything meaningful for God, I know they've had a place. They've had a place where they meet with God on a daily, consistent um, bases, they have a pattern. And I know this because I've asked many of them. And when I ask the question about their place, there's a look, there's a grin, there's a depth of emotion that wells up in their eyes that gives it away before they actually even say it. And, and they know that it, this is their lifeblood. They know that this is how, this is what pumps life through their spiritual veins. They know that they cannot live without that place. You say, Phil, I don't think I'm that disciplined. Well, join the club. I'm not that disciplined either. I'm not talking about discipline. I'm talking about desperation. I'm talking about a life of over 50 years now of following Jesus that I've, I've tried this. I've tried this. And I'm telling you, without the place, it doesn't, it doesn't work. I cannot live without this place. Why? Daniel decided that he couldn't compromise this place. He, just, he decided that it just, he says, guys, you may throw me to the lands if you want, but I am not compromising this place of personal devotion. Daniel would say, guys, when I was a 15-year-old boy, I was taken into captivity, and I learned that that place would keep me sane, even when I was in a land away apart from God. He said, I discovered a place. I discovered a place that would keep me alive, and so I am no good without it, and if you're going to take it away from me, just throw me to the lions. Over five decades, as I say, as a believer, it's taught me this, that every time I compromise my place of personal devotion, my relationship with God slips into a vacuum. I need this. You need this. Moms, dads, grandparents, you have no idea. You have no idea how important that place of personal devotion is for your family. And I don't want to stand before God one day and give an account of a failure in someone's life whom I was supposed to pray for, especially that was related to me. And so it's really important. Psalm 5, we pray this every morning in my morning devotions. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you and I will look up. And you've only got between this day and the day you die to get it right. 
You've just got this day, from this day to the day you go home, to get it right. I could say much personal devotions, my hobby horse, and so I could rattle on about that, but we've got another one to look at, Sabbath. I'll just say a few things quickly about this. I grew up thinking the Sabbath was a Sunday, and um, a day which I wore my Sunday best, went to church two to three times a day, and never watched TV or ever rode my bike or don't kick a ball. That's the way I grew up thinking of Sabbath. And we know when we read the Bible that God rested from his work on the seventh day, six days he did his work, and then he made it a law that six days you shall do the work, and on the seventh is God's day, you'll give him um, rest. We know that God worked out of rest. We know that when God was creating the world, he made little statements like the evening and the morning were the first day. We would say it the other way about because we work out of our work schedule. So we would say morning and evening was our day. But God talks about evening and morning, so, so it starts in the evening. It starts with rest. And so one of the important things that I've found over the years is to work out my rest patterns in my calendar, work out my days off. I'm not particularly good at it at times, but I do try hard to work out of rest, to put in really important meetings. So meeting with my wife is a really important meeting. Having time out with my family is really, really important. So it goes into my diary. It goes into my schedule. It's important so I don't compromise on it if it's in my diary. And so it's really important to understand how to work Sabbath. And um, uh, these times are, are not just a day off, but they're a day of intentional retreat. There's that word intentional again. They're days of intentional retreat to unwind our souls in the presence of God. We read about Jesus at the well in John chapter 4. We'll not take time to read it today. But we know that he was returning from Judea to Galilee. So he was on his way home. And um, we, 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 we can pause and see him in that journey. We're told he was returning home. And we see him... Um, Four things about the Sabbath in this idea. We see the Sabbath as a returning. So he was returning home. Sabbath is about returning and reconnecting to God. It's about a, a place where we can recount where we've been with our Heavenly Father. We can, we can, we can see where, what's going on with, we can commune and see what God wants to say to us. We can, we can come home and tell God what's been going on in our life. So it's a chance for conversation and a catch up as part of the discipline of setting aside time um, in the usual disciplines of life. We can see it as a, a, a Sabbath, as a restoration. Jesus ceased his journey to rest. He was tired, and so he took time out to rest. And, and as he was resting, this woman came along, and he began to converse with this woman. And as he moved into that place of being spiritually fulfilled, the great paradox of Sabbath is the ceasing becomes a place of energizing. The ceasing to work becomes a place of re-energizing our faith and our vitality and our spirituality. Sabbath is a place of revisioning business and life, make you miss seeing some things. And this is really important. This is why Sabbath is key. So go for a walk, climb a mountain, think about a situation, try to get Try to get into some place of regeneration, refreshment. Spend some time waiting to see what God has to say about your situation. Sabbath is so, so important. I asked a group of leaders that I was working with recently um, to go away for one day. And I was meeting them on a monthly basis. And I said, I want you to take between now and when we meet next month, I want you to take one day and I want you to 
take a full day. I want you to go walk on a beach, climb a hill, just spend time with God. I want you to bring your journal. And then when we meet next month, let's talk about what God said. That group of leaders, um, half of them never done it. Half of them said they just couldn't find the time. The half who did do it came back with, with, with things like this. They would say, Phil, it was really good till about lunchtime. And then about lunchtime, I just run out of things to talk about. And I got a bit lonely and I grabbed my phone and I started to get back into busyness again. It's amazing how we've just got so, we get so controlled about these things, by these things that we actually can't live without them. And, and God is calling us to Sabbath all through the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, been called to Sabbath. Sabbath as a returning, Sabbath as restoration, Sabbath as re-envisioning, and Sabbath as a rhythm. Put it into your life as a rhythm. It's about routine, um, and it's about moving into a different rhythm. And so we need to build this into our lives and ask some questions, like, like questions like, where do I feel most free? That's a great question to ask. Or what, what, what areas do I find hardest to cease? What areas are the hardest for me just to lay down for a day? What permissions do I need to give myself in 2021 to have this day of rest, this Sabbath? What is the next season or next rhythm looking like? And have I factored it into my calendar? Have I factored it into my diary for 2021? Are we going to work out of rest? It's really, really important. The Sabbath is really important. And then lastly, um, We've looked at personal devotion, we've looked at Sabbath, and we've looked at, we're going to look at a moment or two as we finish off about sharing life and faith. You know what I think? I, I, I think that when you take care of the first two, then this one actually will just be natural. If you take care of the first two, this one will just fall into place. <laughs> out of, uh, out of, uh, if, you, if you can get your personal devotion right, then you build your confidence in Christ and who you are. If you can get Sabbath right, then just like Jesus in John 4, taking time out, allowing yourself time to share faith. Amazing when you're out in a walk in Tully Moore or something, or, and you meet somebody and you, you begin to chat to people. I love my family make a little bit of fun of me walking around the park talking to people because it's like a day's outing and you're talking to so many people and they, they, were, they were making fun the first week in January about how many times I would wish people a happy new year. And there's something about when you, when you get your personal devotion right, when you get your Sabbath right, when you're working out of rest, sharing life and faith, just become part of who you are because you've built it into your psyche and you've built it into your soul. And all of this grows out of a place of beginning. I, uh, at the beginning of 2021, for some of you, this might be a brand new concept, rule of life. Um, uh, might be, you might be new to it. You might be quite excited about it. And, uh, but you know, when you go back to the, the very first verse in the Bible, it says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And for some of you who are maybe just starting out, maybe this concept is a new way of you. Maybe your, your beginning is a bit without form, and it's a bit void, and maybe there's even a bit of darkness in it. But what I'd say to you this morning is let your beginning look like a beginning. Sometimes we compare our beginnings to somebody's endings, and that's not a fair comparison in any shape or form. 
So let your beginning look like a beginning. Um, uh, I've heard a lot, a lot of people say, and I'm sure I've said it myself uh, many, many times, that it's not how you start, but rather how you finish that's really important. And I felt God challenged me about that over Christmas because the truth is how you start really matters. How you run really matters and how you finish really matters. One is not more important than the other. And so I want you to think about the beginning and I want you to take time. I I dropped two words out of that verse just to show you. Here it is. In the beginning, the heavens and the earth. If we take God out of, if we take God out of the equation, in the beginning, you've just got heavens and earth and you've just got a, an earth that's without form and void and dark. When you take God out of your life, you've just got heavens and earth and you've just got void and dark and empty. And if I could condense a message, ever I could condense a message into one word, I could condense this message into one word today. And this is the word God. In the beginning, God. See, it makes a difference in your personal devotion when you put God into the middle and into the foremost things. And as we think about our quiet time, as we think about our Sabbath, as we think about sharing life and faith, we need to realize it's all about God. It's all about God. I, I um, was saying to the girls this morning, Emma and Amber, that... Uh, you probably can't see this, but in my Bible, I've highlighted the word God in Genesis chapter 1. There's 31 verses in Genesis 1, and the word, the name God is mentioned 31 times. It's actually mentioned, the name God is mentioned 31 times. I've highlighted them all. And he refers to himself as I twice, so it's actually mentioned 33 times in 31 verses. You see, the first chapter in the Bible, all about creation, reminds us that it's all about God. All about God. In the beginning, God. And if you miss that, you've missed everything. If you miss God, you've missed it all. If, and so my question is to you, my question is to you, where is God in your life right now? Is he number one? Is he priority? Is he high up in the priorities? Is he one, two, or three? Or is he somewhere down the mid-range or, or has lockdown allowed you to lock him out? And um, maybe you're struggling, knowing how to get back to it. But be honest now, in the list of priorities, honestly, where is God in your life? If God is not high up in your priority list, then these things that we're telling you this morning are just going to set you up for failure. If God's not in it, they're just going to set you up to make you feel ashamed and guilty again. You've got to get God in the right place. Because when he's the, when, here, here's the thing. When God is the first thing, he will shape all things. When God is the first thing, he will shape everything. That's why the Bible tells us to seek first, Matthew 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his right ways. And then everything else is added on to you. I have something else in my box of tricks this morning. And um, a few years ago, I've told this story many times that um, I, I went to visit, a, actually nearly 30 years ago, I went to visit a, a, a pottery when we were on holidays. And uh, I watched this old lady take a piece of clay 
and she began to mold it on the wheel and she began to shape it into a vase, 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 wherever you're from. And, um, and as she shaped it, she wet, kept wetting her hands and she kept shaping this beautiful vase or vase. And, um, and when, whenever I thought it was finished, she, she did a peculiar thing. She wet her hands again and she started to go inside the pot. And she started to shape out and she would pull all this gunk out of the inside of the pot. And it made me realize that outside she was creating a character, but inside she was creating capacity. And that the pot is, no, is of no value if it just looks good, but it's of no value, it can't hold anything. So outside was character and inside was capacity. Um, during the summer, um, we took a, a trip one day up to... Um, up to Balik Pottery. And uh, I, what I didn't know was that, uh, maybe you do know this, but what I didn't know was that the clay just doesn't start on the wheel. <laughs> There's different words that they use, words like wedging and kneading and massaging of this clay that has to be sorted and and, and so before it ever gets on the potter's wheel, it has to be in the potter's hand. And the potter has to manipulate it and work it and sort it. And, and they tell us that they, that need, they need to take out all the air bubbles. And uh, I, I googled this as well. And uh, it, it says that the most important thing when dealing with any aspect of clay is preparation. Without this, the clay won't handle properly. And you run the risk of trapping air in the body of the clay, which will cause your work to explode when it's put in the fire. So what I thought was the beginning wasn't really the beginning. Because <laughs> before it ever gets onto the potter's wheel, it has to be in the potter's hands. Amber and Emma are going to come and sing us a song that I've asked them to finish us with. So to get on the wheel, to get on the wheel, if you're talking about your personal devotion and you're talking about Sabbath and you're talking about sharing your life and faith, to get on the wheel, you need to be prepared to spend time in his hands. If you just get onto the wheel and you haven't been in the potter's hands, then the air bubbles allow it to explode and destroy the work. I, uh, I began to really ponder about this this week, and I began to think about the times this year that I maybe haven't allowed myself to be in the hands of the potter, just on the wheel, busy, 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 turning, shaping, making stuff, making it look right, character, capacity. But what, what, what about the time spent in the hands? And so what I want to do, I want us to sing this song. And I want you to sing it as a preparation. You see, this clay is tough. It's resistant. It needs preparation. And um, it needs to be in the right hands. And it's pretty shapeless at the beginning. It's without form. And it's without void. It doesn't look like much. But you see, here's the thing. The potter has already planned what it's going to look like. He, he, he's not astounded when it turns out as a, as a beautiful pot. 
Because the potter already knows what it's going to look like before he actually ever starts to shape it. And so I'd love us to sing this song. I'd love us to sing it as a prayer, all right? Make me a vessel. Make me whatever you want me to be. I came here with nothing but all that you give me. So make me a vessel. Let's sing. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.